appreciate that, bro. Um, but we are going to be finishing up this t- second part of this two-part series um, talking about uh, community and the power that comes with unity. And so there is a, with us launching into our small groups, I thought it was a perfect opportunity for us to talk about unity. We, we, we read many scriptures throughout the Bible, uh, and, and we say them often when we come into uh, our place of worship. And when we lift up God, we, we'll quote scripture like, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them also. And we'll remind ourselves that it only takes a couple of people who who are joining together in a train of thought, a vision, and all of a sudden something great can transpire. in Ecclesiastes, the, the author would write, he'd say, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, then guess what? One can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And then there's that scripture we know, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves and a th- cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Um, for the past few years, as I've mowed lawns, I've had a partner, an accomplice uh, in my, in my uh, lawn mowing, and that was Aaron Cox. And, and whenever I would get stuck, I, I would laugh, especially last year when I knew that was his last season. I would always say, I don't know what I'm going to do next year. If I get rutted up in some mud, I'm going to have to get the truck out or do something wild. But it is so true in this, this scripture. It just kind of backs that up saying, hey, when you walk together, somebody stumbles as a team. You can lift, restore one another. Lift one another up. Scripture also says to spur one another on to good works. There's power that comes when you are together. There's the power of community. There's the power of unity. I don't believe that God ever intended for ever any of us to do life alone. The Holy Ghost came so that as a group, as a body of believers, we could turn this world upside down as a group of believers. Jesus would say to his disciples, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. How? By your, if you love one another. There's this power that comes with unity all of a sudden. There's a recognition amongst people. Hey, that is a unified group of people. There's something beautiful about the unity that they share. The Tower of Babel, Babel is, is such an incredible portion of Scripture. After Noah builds the ark and the Lord would flood the entire planet, mankind comes up with this kind of bird-brained idea that we can outsmart God. And you know what is so incredible to see is their leader, Nimrod, that's his real name, uh, Nimrod would, would lead these people to build this incredible tower the, with the idea that we will build it so high, God won't be able to flood it. 
Now, we might not all make it to the top, but at least a few of us will be up there and we'll be safe from what God wants to do. The big deal of this story is the fact that God looks down on these people who are unified with an evil intention. And he says, there will be nothing that they cannot accomplish. Why? Because they are unified. They are working together. And because they're unified in this vision, in this concept, because they are a community of people working towards this vision, nothing can be stopped from them. It's a big deal. And so God, he, he looks at these people and the power of their unity, and he steps in and changes all their languages. I think it's incredibly fascinating. I wish so bad I could have been a fly on the wall. There's so many stories throughout Scripture. If only I could have been a fly on the wall in that moment. But all of a sudden, these people are asking one another for, for, for tools and asking one another, when's lunch break? And asking one another, hey, how, how'd your day go? And they cannot communicate with one another. And the unity is broken up. And because they are no longer unified, this one vision that Nimrod was able to share with all these people is completely shattered. So if our God recognized the power of unity on a bad idea, you better believe that the enemy of your soul, the enemy of my soul, the enemy, the Satan, the, 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 the great deceiver, Lucifer, the father of lies, whatever you want to call him, you better recognize that if God stood in the, the, the place and looked at those people and said, they are unified, nothing can be stopped. They can't be stopped steps in, changes their languages. You better understand that the devil of our souls, he looks and sees a unified body of believers and he recognizes the same thing God recognizes. If those people are unified in their thoughts, in their vision, in their understanding of sharing the gospel and taking this good news to, to a community, they cannot be stopped. There's such a power that comes with living in community, living in unity with one another. The psalmist would write and say, how beautiful, how good and pleasant is it when God's people live together in unity. There's just something beautiful, something powerful that transpires when God's people are in unity, living in community. So if the devil who does not have the power, can I say this, does not have the power to change the languages. He doesn't have the power to just all of a sudden, while we're here hanging out here tonight, to all of a sudden allow me to start speaking French or, or Spanish, like, and for you to start hearing Belgium, you know, what do people in Belgium speak? Anyways, okay, good. <laughs> Russian, French, one of them. <laughs> Somebody Google it. Why'd I pick Belgium? I'm so sorry, y'all. <laughs> but if the devil, who knows that there is a power that comes with a people that is unified, cannot change languages, he cannot do what the power of God can do, you know what he does do? Scripture tells us he's like a roaring lion. Seeking whom he may devour. 
We've talked about that concept before in the past, being that the enemy of our soul, he's not going to just pick off and run after, chase after, try to take down every single person. He's looking for the one he can devour. He's looking for the weak and the maimed, the one that's pulling away from that, that unity that's taking place. And so I can't help but think of an old schoolyard game called Red Rover. And you've played Red Rover. You call one another over. And if you're unable to break the chain, well, you've now got to join the chain. Now, I've told y'all, I didn't hit five foot till I was almost in 10th grade, y'all. I had the nickname, and this was all a beloved nickname, not one of those bullied nicknames, but I was called Small Fry from 5th grade to 8th grade. And I was tiny. I didn't have a growth spurt. And every year in school, you'd take pictures, and it went tallest all the way to smallest. And every year, they'd be like, all right, let's line up. And I'd start walking to the end of the line. Like, I was like, I know where I'm going. But the truth is, Red Rover would be played, and I recognized I am going to get totally bowled over by the biggest person on that team. Every time, I'm like, oh, here it comes. Why are we doing this? Like, I know how this ends. But what I started to do was I would grab Cameron Atkins on one arm and a guy by the name of Jonathan Ostapchuk on the other arm. Yeah, that's a real name, y'all. Canada's wild. And I would, these guys both are, are closing in, you know, they're closing in on six foot by eighth grade, right? Like they were big old boys. And I'm holding them. And I recognized that it didn't matter about my height or my strength anymore because I had pulled in a greater strength than what I had in myself. And so because I was unified with these two boys, no longer was I the one, the, I wasn't the weak point anymore. In fact, I was now a point of strength. And so there is times in our lives where we might recognize, hey, I need to pull myself closer to somebody who might be a little stronger than I am. I feel a little slipping happening. And I need to know that there is power that comes in unity. And if there truly is, and the devil is looking for a weak point, I need to make sure that I am linked up with someone that's just a little bit stronger than I am. We need to help one another. One another. We need to love one another. Can I tell you, it can be so easy, so easy to judge one another. It can be so easy to say, man, I think so and so. Did you see what, did you see what was over there? Did you see what was on their Facebook? Did, did, you, did, you, see, did you see where they went, who they went with, what, what they were wearing? Did you see? In those moments, I've got to, like, turn down the noise. I'm like, I, I don't hear nothing. <laughs> la, 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 la. I'm not trying to be ignorant of a situation. But it's so easy to judge, and we don't have full context. But as a body of believers, I want to believe the best about every person. I want to lift one another up. I want to love one another. 
I want to be able to text somebody and say, hey, I'm, I'm thinking of you. I'm praying for you. I'm there for you. Hey, I saw this quote. I thought you might like it. I want to be a body of believers that says, hey, let's, let's not have a weak link in the body. Instead, let's lift one another up and become a stronger unified force so that when the enemy comes around, all of a sudden he's like, Wait a minute, there, there, there's no weak link in that chain because there's body a body of believers. Even the weak ones are being lifted up by their brothers and their sisters. There's power in unity. I was reading Luke, uh, 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 4, 7, sorry, 2 Kings chapter 7. And it's a pretty famous story in the Old Testament. It tells the story of four lepers. And these four lepers are sitting outside of the enemy's camp. And the truth about lepers is they lived a life that was absolutely brutal. First of all, they had this terrible disease, this this skin and and flesh-eating disease And so they would lose pieces of their body, lose their nose, lose their hands, lose their fingers, lose their toes. But not only were they riddled with this horrible disease and probably very ashamed of it, they also had to ring a bell and let anybody that came close know, unclean, unclean, unclean. And so here are these four lepers who have been ostracized and pushed outside of the camp, pushed outside from what, every, what the rest of civilization is doing. And they're sitting on the outskirts of town in 2 Kings chapter 7. The Bible tells us that the Syrians, this massive army, this host of, of Syrians was outside of Israel and they were waging war on Israel and, and these four lepers are sitting outside of the enemy's camp, kind of in between Israel and Syria. The leader of these four men gets an idea, gets a bright idea. We call it a bright idea because we know what happens at the end. But in that time, it it was kind of a back to a bird brain idea. And he says, hey, why don't we get up and start to move towards the enemy's camp? I mean, what's the worst that could happen? They could kill us. And we're kind of already heading that direction anyways. And so they make this, this idea We shall die here or we shall die there. Well, we might as well go see if maybe they'll give us some food. Maybe give us a little bit of shelter. Maybe they'll help us out just a little bit. And the scripture says that they rose up in the twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they arrived to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. Verse 6, for the Lord had made the host of the Syrians... To hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said to one another, Lo, the king of Israel has hired against us the king of the Hittites and the king of the Egyptians to come upon us. And so this enemy says, Wherefore, they rose up and they fled. 
They started seeing ghosts. They started hearing things that weren't really there. And so they decided, we're out of here. We're gone. We're, we're taking off. And they leave their camp completely intact, and they leave it thinking, we've just got to spare our own lives. Understand, these lepers, these four men, they had a choice. And they decided together, we are going to march to the enemy's camp. They decided that in the unity of those four men, that they would go as a team. And they would see what could happen. And because of these four men being in community with one another, marching towards the enemy's camp, they arrive to this place and the spoils are there for their, them to take. It says, and when these lepers, it says, and they came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went into one tent and did eat and drink and carried silver and gold and raiment and went and hid it and came again and entered into another tent and did it all over again. These guys are like, oh my, we've hit the jackpot. They just got off the plane at Vegas and they went straight to the, to the they've hit it big. But you know what's so impressive about the unity of these four men? That they were together. They were willing to die together. They were willing to go together. Whatever happens, hey, we're doing it together. There was a power that was taking place. And what would transpire was not only victory in their own lives, but later on in this scripture, literally verse, one, verse 9 they said, okay, we've hit the jackpot so big. We do not do well this day, uh, this day of good tidings. And we, if we just hold our peace, if we tarry till the morning light, you know what? If we just keep hanging out here, maybe somebody will come back and kill us. So why don't we go and let the king know that there's victory for all of Israel? Because a few people decided, I am going to walk in unity, all of Israel was able to enjoy victory. There is power in the, there is power in community. There is power in walking with one another. There's a power that comes when you're able to say to your brother and your sister, hey, I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to be there with you. If we die, we're going to die together, baby. We're going down swinging. But all I know is I'm going to be by your side. And we'll see what maybe God can do in our midst. Joshua would say the same thing to one of his servants. He'd look at his servant who was fighting, fighting alongside him and say, hey, there's a whole lot of Philistines that need to be destroyed. And, and Jonathan, sorry, not jo if I said Joshua. Jonathan would look at this servant and say, do you want to come alongside me? There's a whole lot more of them than there is us. And, and that servant agreed with him. He said, let us be in unity. Let us be in one mind, one accord. And they started to walk. And the servant said, let's go see. Maybe the, our God can bring victory through us today. I'm telling you, there's a power. There's victory that comes when a body of believers decide within themselves, we are going to live in unity. We're launching into these small groups and I'm telling you, there is such a power that takes place in each one of these groups. 
I had the incredible privilege to go to every single one of these groups, except Miss Patty's. I didn't get to hang out with you. I'm going to come. I'm going to be there. I can't wait. But there is such a power of unity in each one of these small groups. There was laughter that took place. There was sharing of stories, sharing of, of, of some, some details of, of lives. People saying, I'm willing to be open and honest with you. I'm willing to be vulnerable. And all of a sudden, you know what had started to take place? There were friendships that were made. There was unity that was built. And I'm telling you, there were Sundays that we would come during that time of small groups. And people would come to this altar and they would pray for those people that were in their small groups. And they would lift one another up. And they would speak life into one one another. What was happening? There was victory taking place amongst the body of believers because there was a group of people that said, we're going to be unified. We're taking the kingdom and we are going to take it to our community. There's a power that comes in unity. Then in Luke 17, again, we're introduced to some more lepers. The neat part about lepers is they, they really are a type of people, a type of people who are not perfect. Leprosy throughout Scripture is, is, is it's a sign or a symbol that we can use and, to talk about sin because sin does a similar thing. It, it's a flesh-eating disease, and it wants to destroy everything that it touches. And I hate it, but sin is contagious. I'm telling you, it doesn't take long. You start going down a path, all of a sudden, you're walking alongside someone and you start a conversation about the things you're doing. Before you know it, there's two people doing it. Before you know it, there's three people, right? It's sin is just like leprosy. But what I love about this is that it means imperfect people. People that don't have it all together. If they can decide amongst themselves, hey, we are going to walk in unity, then maybe, just maybe, God can do something great. And in Luke 17, we see 10 lepers approach Jesus. And they come and they show themselves to him. And the Bible tells us that Jesus turned to them and gave them some very good news. he's passing through Samaria, he enters into this certain village, and there stood ten men. They stood afar up. They lifted up their voices, and they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go, show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. What? Wait, wait, wait. I, I read that way too fast. That happened too quickly. You're supposed to have to pray a long prayer. Jesus, where was the anointing oil? Where was the time of prayer? Where was all that? But these 10 men, Scripture says, and it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. It's not just victory. And I'm declaring victory in this community. I'm declaring victory over Zachary. I'm declaring breakthrough. I'm declaring that the things that the enemy has tried to use for evil, God will turn around and use for good. I'm believing that we are going to see the greatest outpouring of the Holy Ghost that we have ever seen in this community, ever. I'm believing it. I'm speaking it. I believe for victory. 
But I'm also believing that there is going to be healing that takes place. I'm believing we're not just going to see victory. And I can't wait for the victory that we're going to see. I cannot wait for the marriages that are going to be restored. I can't wait for the broken lives that God is going to restore. I can't wait for the relationships that God is going to make. I'm ready and waiting for that victory. But I'm also believing that because there is a unified body of believers, we are going to see healing take place. It's going to be healing of the body. It's going to be healing of the mind. It's going to be healing of old wounds. It's going to be healing of new wounds. I'm believing that as we walk together, as these bodies of believers, like those lepers, when they turned and they started to go together, they experienced healing. I'm believing that as we walk in this important thing that we are declaring in this community this understanding of unity, that we are going to walk in healing. Scripture says that these signs shall follow them that believe. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Church, we're not just playing church. We're not just showing up on Wednesdays and showing up on Sundays for a good thing to do. I love hanging out with all of you. You know that. But I come to this church to speak into the atmosphere, to let the spirits of this region know that there is a body of believers in this community that is going to see strongholds come down because there is a church that is unified in motion and in concept and in vision. And I'm declaring it in Jesus' name. Let's all stand. The saddest part of this whole story, the disappointing part, I guess you could say, of this incredible story, is that only one person, one Samaritan, turns back. Only one comes back and fell down on his face at the feet of Jesus and gave him a whole lot of praise, a whole lot of thanks. Jesus looked at that one and he said, wait a minute, you were all in unity just a moment ago. You were in unity when you needed the healing. Why is there only one now? See, we all like to go in healing. But can we all be in unity back at the feet of Jesus? It's important that as a body of believers, we're not just in unity on the best days, but that we come back and say, God, I'm giving you, even though I've already received all I feel like I need to receive, I'm coming back to the one that gave me everything that I have. I don't just want us to be in unity while we're declaring things. I want us to be in unity even when we need to come back to the feet of Jesus. I believe God is calling us, you, me, this church, to be a church that is full of a community of believers. Paul would write and say, for there are many members, but there is just one body. And so we all play a part and we all play a role. And so tonight, as we close this service, I would love if you would come to this altar.